It's me. It's me. It's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws. And you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, we've got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of Talking Sass, and thank you guys so much for joining me. You know, this week's guest is so amazing that it's not one, but two episodes. So this week and next week is both dedicated to my guest this week, and she has had such a stellar career that I cannot wait to sit down and talk to her. But before we get started, let's talk about Patreon. Do you even know what Patreon.com is? It is a subscriber-based media platform. And for me, what I put out weekly is my podcast early. You know who my guests are early. Plus, they do photo shoots and all sorts of other exclusive content only for my Patreon members. So make sure you go and subscribe today for patreon.com slash sassysefi. You can go to Instagram and Twitter and find me as well at sassysefi on both of those platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you're on YouTube, hit that bell notification because you never want to miss an episode of Talking Sass. Because like I said, this week's guest is going to be on next week as well. And she is so stellar that you don't want to miss a second of anything that I have to talk to her about because she is an OG TNA knockout. She is a seven-time world champion. She is one half of the beautiful people. And she's currently in ROH as a part of the allure. She is Angelina Love. And like I said, just iconic. So I want you guys, especially on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, make sure you go and comment and tell me your favorite Angelina love moments because there's so many that we could possibly talk about. And like I said, this week and next week's an episode. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about her time in Ring of Honor. So here she is, Angelina Love. Hey guys, what's up? This is Talking Sass, and I am here with the one, the only, Angelina Love. How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. Are you keeping busy during this quarantine time? I'm so busy. <laughs> like, life, life didn't slow down at all because of, like, what's been going on. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's almost been a little bit more hectic, if that's possible. Wow, that's crazy, because I know <laughs> you keep a regular schedule anyway. I mean, you have, of course, you're a mom, you're with Ring of Honor now, and, I mean... Obviously, you're keeping in shape because you're still in the ring as well. So I'm sure your schedule is just off the charts. I mean, I'm trying to keep in shape. I I actually have to go film. Like, the last show we did was February 29th. So I actually haven't physically worked or Mm -hmm. wrestled since February 29th. And the longest amount of time that I took off in my 20-year career was just when I was pregnant. You know, so um, I was like, okay, so we got to go film, like, the first week of January. I probably need to start doing a little weight training uh, just in the living room because like the gym here is not open the gym across yeah. the street's not open I work at a spa at a gym and that's not open and it's just like I'm just trying to I just bought random things a little stepper machine and like just weights to do in the living room because I'm like it's pretty much all I have right now <laughs> uh, well I mean a lot of people have invested in these home gyms during this time because I mean I know here in Quebec where I am which is funny because you were originally Canadian and I remember one time when I saw you you're like wait, you're moving to Canada? Usually it's the opposite way around. Everybody's moving out of Canada, going into the U.S. But here in Canada, the Canada is probably month. Oh, no worries. We love playing. Usually usually the Americans don't move to Canada. The the Canadians come down to America, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
But so yeah. you're not in Ontario, you're in Quebec. Yeah, that's right. I'm right outside of Montreal. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. How's your French? Uh, very poor. I, I do Duolingo uh, in hopes that it will get better, but it doesn't really help very much, at least not so in so, so when you go to school in Canada, which you'll learn with your son, um, mm-hmm. French is the second language. So you have, like, French class, whereas in the States it's, like, Spanish, I think. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, I used to love French class. I was so good at French, and I took it up until, I think, grade 9. And then I kind of dropped it when I went into grade 10. And, I mean, I forgot so much, like, yeah. so much. And I always say to myself, like, I'm going to get a Rosetta Stone and, like, freshen up my French because I want to And I just never do because I just realized yeah. it was, like, $400. And to me that's crazy. But um, I do, like – I can say, like, words, and I can understand some, you know, basic things. But, like, yeah, I forgot so much of it, and it, like, kind of hurts a little. Yeah, that's the same with me. I took um, advanced placement uh, Spanish up until my senior year of high school. And, I mean, now I'm, like, I can say words and basic understanding, but the Spanish. Bit of a conversation. <laughs> yeah, the Spanish and the French. Like, if you get talking too fast, I, I can't even focus in on a word. It's very hard, so. Yeah, is what it is. And speaking yep. of high school, when you went, you were quite athletic. I mean, you were in volleyball, I believe, in softball as well. I mean, you've always been athletic. My so it's just me and my sister and my mom and my dad and our immediate family. So, um, but my sister and I have always been in sports. Like I did, like gym. We both did swimming. We both played softball for like over ten years. Um, you know, we would always. My sister played soccer. Um, I did track and field. Uh, and yeah, I played volleyball, uh, grades six, seven, and eight. Um, but yeah, we've always been athletic and into sports. My dad would always play catch with us, play baseball with us, you know, in the backyard or whenever we went on little family trips and stuff. So we, and you know, we watched, we grew up watching hockey with my dad, watching baseball with my, you know, Blue Jays, uh, Maple Leafs. So we've just, it's just been sports like our whole lives. So we've always loved it. So when did wrestling come into the picture for you when you were in high school? Were you interested in like the amateur style or when you got out of high school, did you find like what was on TV and that was it? No. So the first time I ever watched wrestling, I was like seven years old and my parents, we had like one of those old school TVs where you like, you got to go up and you got to turn the dial for the channel. And like, I always used to get up earlier than everybody on Saturday mornings just so I could go in the kitchen and just sneak some sugar for breakfast. And then I would watch, watch TV. So I came across it one morning, one time on a channel I flipped on when I was a kid, but I was like way too young to remember what channel it was on or what it was called or what day and time and all that. But one, but I always liked it. Because, you know, we were very athletic, so this is another thing. And I always wanted to be a show kid, which was just so weird because I was always kind of, like, introverted and extremely, like, scared of talking in front of people. <laughs> like, when I was – opposite from now. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, wrestling <laughs> broke me out of it. Oh, yeah, I could – like, if somebody was like, go wrestle 10 minutes or go talk in front of 10,000 people, I'd be like, where's the microphone? Let's do it. Because it's so easy now. But, like, I, yeah, I used to be scared to death of, like, speech day – you know, like you got to have the cue cards and you got to talk about something for three minutes in front of the class. Like I was, I tried to be sick every year on that day. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but so I would just always try to be sick that day. (laughs) So I didn't have to do it, but like, obviously my mom kind of caught on to that. But like, once I got into high school, um, I was still a little shy. I kind of really broke out of my shell in college, but I also got into wrestling my first year of college. I went into college when I was 17. I graduated when I was 19. Um, but uh, I, when I was in high school was when it got, like, really hardcore because, you know, I'd stay up a little bit later at night, and, like, TSN in Canada was showing it at, you know, like, 9 o'clock, and then they'd replay it at, like, midnight or 1 a.m. So I learned how to, like, get VHS tapes and, like, preset the VCR to start recording, you know, TSN from midnight to 1am when I was asleep. And then, you know, I couldn't get home from school fast enough to like watch, you know, the show mm-hmm. after school the next day. And um, yeah, I just got like pretty hardcore. And so really like when I was about, I want to say 14, because I used to, my homeroom in grade nine was math. So mm-hmm. I would um, bring a wrestling magazine and I would hold, you know, instead of having your book open like this on the desk, I would have it up like this on the desk and I would just open a wrestling magazine in the, but, but the math book like looked like yeah. it was covering so my teacher couldn't see it. But yeah, got pretty hardcore in, in high school. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you started training, you started training in like, there was 
like basically one school in Toronto that just like basically turned out all of these amazing stars. So how was that for you going into there? So I actually didn't start there. Oh, really? So EY was my first boyfriend in the business ever. I was like 19. And he had a very small school in Cambridge. So I would go train there, but I really only trained there for like three weeks because it was like, I was killing myself because I was just, I had no muscle tone. I was just like scrawny. And I was always like, when I would take a bump, I'd land on my ass and hit my head and land on my ass and hit my head. So it was just like tailbone head, tailbone head. And I like, I was, and my elbows were black and just everything I wasn't supposed to hit, I was hitting. And like, I couldn't even like, when I would get home, walk up the three stairs to get from the garage into the house because I just couldn't even lift my legs because my tailbone was such a, and I was like, you know what? I I couldn't get arm drags. Like I couldn't get the bridge part, you know, bridging for that. And I was like, you know what? I I thought I was going to be a wrestler, but obviously this is just not meant for me. I'm a Virgo. I got to know, I got to know how to do things right away. The learning process is like, like hate the learning process. So I just quit for like six months, but I was still doing indies and managing. And I was just like getting so bored with managing. I wanted to get involved more. And I was like, maybe I'll give it another try. And then, you know, like my best guy friend in wrestling is Sin, Sin Bodie um, and his brother, Steve and Rob Fuego. So they were still wrestling at the time. And then like Tracy Brooks and Gail, um, you know, and then like Chris Chambers and Ash, I think Chris Chambers runs an Indian in Ontario, still like the Toronto area, but like all these guys, we all kind of started this school and it kind of moved from one place to another, to another, but it was like such an awesome group of people. Cause we would all go like hang out at Steve's apartment. Like Steve and, and Sin lived in the same building, but like Sin was on the third floor and Steve was on the ground floor. So we would always go up there and hang out and everybody was, you know, kind of in that area. I was like an hour away, but you know, it was, so it was like a really tight knit group and it kind of busted it. Like Ontario busted out a lot of people, like in, in my kind of time frame, like a yeah. lot of people that are still actively in wrestling today. Yeah. 20 years later, which I mean, you can't, there's not a lot of like areas, like not necessary territories. Cause I mean, that's not like the thing then, but there's like certain areas that, you know, have a, in different time periods in wrestling turn out a lot of great people. But I mean, they're usually around five, ten years. Okay. But, I mean, you guys all together, like, 20-plus years for some of you guys. I mean, you've been mm-hmm. around for 20 years. I mean, it's amazing mm-hmm. the kind of careers that you guys have had. Well, we all started so young, too, you know. So we had time. And even though, like, most of us are all kind of coming up on our 40th birthdays, it's like none of us look like it. None of us feel like it. So, you know what I mean? Like, that is just a number. Um, and everybody's still doing really well, like in demand, working a lot, have a solid job. You know what I mean? And we, you know, we're having families and getting married and having kids and getting dogs and moving and buying houses and all the things. And it's like, I just think it's so cool because there was even an era before us with like Edge Christian, um, Rhino and like our trainer Fuego was in, was in that kind of era. Um, cause he was always doing, uh, dark matches, like when WWE, would come to Toronto or Hamilton. Like we would always go. And that was the time when like they were still getting like 40,000 people at house shows. Yeah. Like especially when they would come to Toronto, like they were still rocking and rolling. And like our trainer would always have like the dark match. Cause you know, they use the local guys and mm-hmm. he was always just like on the cusp, on the cusp, but I couldn't have asked for a better trainer and trainer in Fuego. And I know every single girl that trained with him would say this because he always helped us so much. He was always about like, what can I do for the girls? How can I help the girls? Like, and he's such an, a good natured person. Like, I don't think I ever saw him get mad ever. He's like my dad, you know what I mean? Like I've never seen my dad be mad like once in my whole life. Like, and he's just always laughing and joking. And he's, uh, he gives you a lot of confidence and he always wanted us to try new things, even if we weren't sure of it. And it was just like, he was the best. And we would like freak out when we would all go like watching WWE come to town and he'd be in the sky dome, you know, doing the dark match before raw. Like we would just lose our minds. But yeah, like there was a, there was also a, like, and Trish too. She was just before our era as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. And even like Johnny Swinger, you know, uh, coming out right on the border there to the States. And then like Rhino, you know, Rhino, anybody from like Michigan or like Buffalo, New York was always coming mm-hmm. into Canada to do stuff too. And us going to those places too. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, what I have actually a question because I wondered this when I was doing research, 
when you and Velvet got together at Impact, or, well, TNA at the time, actually, did you guys know each other previously? Like, had you worked shows together, or had you met earlier than that? Yeah, um, but not a lot. So when I was in WWE Developmental in Deep South, Mm -hmm. she had come down. Like, I think she did, like, a, oh, gosh, like a Sunday night heat or something, like a match against Victoria in WWE, because she Mm -hmm. had a bunch of tryouts. Um, but she had come down to Deep South to do, like, a week tryout there. Mm-hmm. So we had kind of met there. Um, and then right before we both signed with TNA, because I was with WWE for two years and then I got released. Um, we Right when I got released was when TNA was thinking about starting the knockout division. Tracy was already there and Gail was already there and Jackie. Um, but they were wanting the girls. And so – Tal, I just call her Tal. She yeah. was very high on the list. And then, you know, Damore was working there. Terry Taylor was working there. Um, I had just been released from WWE. They were looking for girls. They knew me. Um, they knew my work. So right before we started, which was like September 2007, her and I did, um, we did an indie, I think it was in Winnipeg, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Yeah, we did, like, a, I think there was probably two indies that I did in between, like, when I got released, which was May 2007, and when we started in TNA, which was, like, September. Okay. But we're just so similar. Like, as soon as we got there, we just, like, like a magnet. We just kind of came together. So. Yeah, because I was wondering, because you guys have, like, such a dynamic chemistry when you guys are together with the beautiful people and the things that you guys have done since then, now with Ring of Honor and the Allure. I mean, I wondered how you guys had met because the beautiful people, I mean, it just kind of seemed like you guys came in together and that's already kind of established. I mean, you weren't called the beautiful people when you first got there, but I mean, you guys just clicked like perfectly. So I wondered how that worked, like if it was that you guys had had the chemistry previously and decided to work together or if you guys just had that instant chemistry. Well, you know, there were so many new girls there, right? And, I mean, like, I knew Gail and I knew Tracy, obviously. But, you know, like, all of us were new. Like, we were just meeting Kong. We were just meeting Roxy. We were just, you know, and Shelly and then Tom. So, but we had known each other at least from a couple of shows before that. So, you know, we would grab, we would hang out in the locker room. We would grab lunch. We would sit and eat lunch together. And then, you know, we, same sense of humor. We're both sarcastic. You know, we just kind of, and then we started rooming together, too. Um I think I, I wonder. I think they were actually paying for our hotels when we first started because we were just getting paid so little <laughs> when we first started. I think they had us rooming together too. So we and then we, you know, once we like were getting our own rooms, we just kept rooming together as well. But um, I think they had us rooming together too. So we were spending a lot of time together, like once we all first started working there. Yeah, and for the you know beautiful people, you guys had like a lot of like alternate people come in over the times. I mean, you had Moose originally, you had Kip at one time, you had Madison Rain, you had Lacey Von Eric. What is, like, for the beautiful people, is it just you and Velvet, or do you feel like those people also, like, even their own way gave to the beautiful people and what it became? Well, we're the two originators. Um, it was it was us, our idea with Vince Russo. Um I, I, I never wanted it to be a gimmick where there was kind of like a, a, a little bit of a revolving door of like third member mm-hmm. people. Um, but, you know, these were just ideas that came along. We were actually terrified to have Kip in our group because we're like, oh, my God, this is like Billy Gunn. Like yeah. DX, like, hello, got two words for you. Like DX, you know, we were watching that on TV. Like that was the height of the Attitude Era. And, you know, he's in TNA and we didn't know – how he was going to feel being this grown-ass man who's done a ton of stuff in the wrestling business coming into this little girl group where we're like (laughs) Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, you know what I mean? Like, we were like, oh, Jesus, he's going to hate us. Because he was brought in as, like, our stylist or our makeup artist or something like that. We're like, oh, my God, he's probably dying inside. Um, But he was so cool. He was, like, the teeniest, tiniest bit quiet at first because he also didn't know if we were, like, raging bitches either, right? So. Um, but once we kind of just did like a couple backstage segments with him and like hung out and chit chatted, we were just like, we, he just clicked with us so well too. Cause he's such a big goof. Like he's so funny and he's such a nice guy. And it's just like, it's Kip. Like, how do you not love him? And he helped us a lot too, because, um, you know, there was a lot of times where 
when we were doing the beautiful people, we were so busy. Like we were always doing backstage promos. So we would always be, you know, they'd be knocking on the door. We got to go film this and we got to go film that. And like, shoot it. Sometime we got to get to the ring and like figure our match out. Cause we have a match tonight too. Right. And sometimes it was just so clustery when we would finally get into the ring and be able to sit and put a match together, you know, 20 minutes later, it'd be like, okay, doors. And you know, there's somebody's doing a run in and this is happening and blah, blah, blah. And we would just be like, Oh, we don't know what we're doing. And we start the show in 30 minutes. And Kip would be like, girls, listen, blah, 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 blah. This thing, that thing, this happens here. And then you guys are done. I'll come get you. And we're gone. And we're like, (laughs) thank you. Like he could literally in two minutes, just tell us everything we're supposed to do. And we're like, thank you. What would we do if we didn't have you? (laughs) Well, I mean, that comes with being a tag team champion many times over Right. And already having like years and years and years and years and years of experience in WWE TV, you know, before us. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that was was so fun. So fun. Well, I mean, it looked like you guys were having fun. And, you know, like I'm thinking from your perspective in that situation, like, yeah, you would kind of be like, okay, is he going to even be okay with doing what he's being brought in to do because of the superstar that, like you said, that he was and well, still is really. So that's amazing that, like, he, you know, came right into the role and really rolled with you guys and even We're we're still all super close today. Like, my son and I went down to uh, Florida, like, a couple months ago, and we went and visited him and his wife. That was the first time they met my son. Um, And they just hung out. My son, I knew my son would be all over him like a human jungle gym, and he was. (laughs) His kip is massive. Um, But, yeah, so it's still, like, it's, it's really great to have, like, that love and respect outside of the ring too you know it's such a everybody can be friends and wrestling but to have like a real relationship you know outside where it's like family like you know I love his wife Paula and they're so great to my son and and they just knew him from like seeing pictures on Facebook and you know him recording little voice messages when he would steal my phone and stuff like that so that kind of stuff really means something in like the real world when you have that outside of like wrestling relationship too Oh, definitely. Because I mean, a lot of people will tell you, and especially if they get deep into the wrestling business, that usually you can count the true friends on one hand. And I mean, you've been in the business for 20 years. So to have these relationships with so many people that you continue to keep in contact with is just amazing. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, that's why I know this is a life thing. You know, even when I'm done physically performing, um, I've just been doing this so long. I've been doing it now for over half my life. I'm 40 yet. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I feel like I have so much more to give, like when I'm done and I'm not anywhere near like being done physically competing, I'll know, like nobody can make you try to be done before you know you're done. Right. Um, and I don't want to just keep making comebacks and comebacks and comebacks. You know what I mean? I want to be done and be like done, done, but I want to have like a backstage role, like either as an agent or a producer or a trainer or something creatively, you know, I really think like a cool role for me to have would be to to help people specifically with promos and like backstage segments because promos kind of my forte Mm -hmm. and just having the story of, you know, I used to be scared to death to talk in front of people. Like my throat would close up. I feel myself getting real red. My voice, my voice tone would change. My hands would shake like, and then wrestling just forced me out of it, you know? And now it's like the easiest thing. I feel like I can help people who maybe are too intimidated or like don't know how to bring that character out because they're thinking too much about what they have to say and you know all that kind of stuff like I think that would be a really cool role too so well I mean I think that you would be a perfect like person to do all of that stuff because I know when we met I was so nervous because we had a match at WSU WSU yeah and I remember we were the first match on the card, and yeah. you, of course, had, like, people out the door waiting for you to sign autographs and take pictures and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I remember I'm in the locker room, and I'm, like, I'm so nervous because, like, I think I was maybe a year and a half in, and you were, like, the first, like, official name that I was working besides Madison Rain because Madison Rain I had trained with at at the school that we went to. So, right. obviously, I knew her, but – like with you, I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. So like I'm sitting there, I, I think I put on lotion like 107 times that day. <laughs> and you were like, are you ready to call this match? And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I was so nervous, but you got me through that. And it was amazing. And I remember the Mick, not right after the match, but like 
couple years later, he told me, and Mick's the guy that runs WSU, for those who don't know, he was like, do you know the reason why I put you over, or I, you went over in the match, he's like, but do you know the reason why I put you over later in WSU, and I was like, no, I really have no idea why, and he's like, because of the match you had with Angelina, you guys went out there, first match of the show, had a great just storytelling match, and worked on just the basic stuff, and it was awesome, and you did great, and you just excelled from there, and I was like, that's awesome that's awesome so what I remember about that we went like 13 or 15 minutes too like and I don't even ever try to go that long but we did (laughs) and like and I remember um I remember because at that I feel like at that time on the indies a lot of storytelling was starting to be forgotten and Mm -hmm. I come from a storytelling era it was starting to go into moves and spots just to do moves and spots Right. And I'm, and I was not about that. So I remember when we were going, I don't know if you remember this, but I do. When we were going over the match in the back and, you know, we, we've got everything called and I always tell, cause I'm always like, people think, oh, because you're on TV, you're going to be cheered when you come to my promotion. So I have to have you be a baby face. And I'm always like, God, no, like people yeah. like me because of the heel I am on TV, but I can also, that's me dictating the match. So I can, I talk a lot when I'm in the ring. I don't know if you remember that, but I yeah. talk a lot. I can be very showy. I can kill the time, you know, just sell for me. So I remember telling you, like, when we were going over it, you came up to me and you were like, I feel like I'm forgetting stuff. Like, I feel like I don't have a lot to remember. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, yeah, but that's okay. Because a lot of it is the stuff in between where, you, you know, it's character expression. It's you being a baby face. It's me being a heel. It doesn't have to be where you're just trying to memorize 900 things to do, mm-hmm. you know? And then after the match, I remember you were like so relieved because I know up until the minute you did your entrance, you were like, I'm forgetting shit. I'm forgetting shit. Like there, there has <laughs> yeah. to be more. And there wasn't more. And I'm like, no, you just take this and you just kind of draw it out. Yeah. And draw it out. And I remember you were just so happy after, and I was too, because I thought we had a great match too. Yeah. You know, I think that's great. Now we can just hang out for the rest of the show, and it was easy. Yeah, I, I. but like you said, like how you could do the character telling and everything, like I learned so much from you, even in those 15 minutes that we were out. In the oh, room. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, of course. Like I said, you'd be the perfect person to be a coach of some sort, whether it's I would, lo- I would love to all of that. So I would love to just because I, I have so much time in me already and I'm not even done that I can just give to like future generations. And I have so much TV experience too, which is completely different from just doing an indie at the, you know, the local VA down the street. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's amazing. And let's talk more about TNA because when you went back shortly after and you won your first title match, I I've watched the match back and I'm you got a concussion during the match. Yeah. <laughs> and you like when I watched it the first time, I didn't know, but after I went back and heard you talk about and you you've mentioned it in other podcasts about having this concussion, you can notice like you don't know what's going on at all. So the match setup was the triple threat match in the cage. Kong, at this point, uh, Velvet had pulled her by the hair through the cage. We were tying her. We were yeah. tying. Taylor was down, and we were also was locked down April 2009. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the matches were in cage, um, and we had the six-sided ring at the time, too. And so we had Taylor. So the, the finish was going to come in because they didn't want Kong to get pinned because she had to be kept strong, right? So right. it was going to come down to me and Taylor. But anybody who pinned anybody would win. Um, so we were, t- Taylor was down and we started tying Kong's braids to the cage. Mm-hmm. And we really did, because if you see at the end of the match, like she is really trying to pull and like she is stuck on there. Um, but what happened was like, we, you know, we had, and all of us have just wrestled each other like so much too. So we had like the best match planned and, um, and my parents were there. So like Philly's only eight hours from Toronto and like, we knew I was going to win that night. So like my parents, you know, had to be there for my first major championship win. So they drove eight hours from Toronto. I put them up in a hotel and, you know, got them seats at this show and everything. They didn't know. Um, I think a lot of people didn't know, but if you, if you watch the finish of the match and how there's like the one, two, three, a lot of people like stand up because you just do when the bell rings, but then yeah. some people were like, huh? Like that. Like, I think they all expected more because it was a very flat finish, but that's because I was like on Pluto. Yeah. <laughs> like I was not there. So that was not the way the match was supposed to go. Taylor and I had this awesome finishing sequence all figured out. And that just came to like, so what happened was, um, 
if anybody wants to go back and watch it, you will see it once you know. When we tied Kong's hair to the cage, I was supposed to, I was like, ha, you know, heel, heel, to turn into Taylor doing a crossbody off the top. But I, and I would take them like Billy Gunn did too, because I was just such a mark for him too, right? So I would kick my feet up to take that bump. Because either way, with a crossbody, I hit my head. I realized that if I keep my feet planted and catch you and try to roll with it, hit my head. Or if I kick my feet up just to catch you and try to take a, a straight back bump, I hit my head. So it's just like, <laughs> hit my head. Yeah. So, but she, I fed in close and she jumped real high and far. So it was like, I was already trying to catch her almost past my head anyway. Um, and then I just kicked my feet up and all you see is just her whole body just come like splat right on my head. And as soon as that happens, I just go, like, I'm just like, and she goes to pin me and I don't even kick out God love her. She kicked out for me. And then I just kind of went <laughs> just like down and out and we're live on pay-per-view. And this is how you, this is another thing about being a professional. Like you've got to know how to ad lib live on pay-per-view when you got one person tied to a cage and one person unconscious and you're the third person. Like you have to know what to do from there. So she just did what everybody thinks to do. She just grabbed a hold. And I'm the only one she could really grab a hold with. And, you know, she wasn't killing me. But it's crazy because when we watched it back the next day, I remember Bobby Roode was sitting on the end of the ring. And we would always watch it on the big, you know, entrance video Tron yeah. at, the, at the studios. And I remember I'm watching myself. I got my eyes open. And I'm, like, talking to Rudy, who was our ref. But, like, I have no recollection of that whatsoever. So to see yourself eyes open talking and like kind of doing some things but you don't remember it it's like so it's like an alternate world like it's so weird to see yourself eyes open and functioning but you know you were out just like out out like the human body is incredible um and so I guess what happened was Russo was in gorilla and he was telling Rudy like just have just have Taylor Wilde Pinner we'll put the belt on her TV like just end the match she's out like end the match but what had happened was I think Taylor was trying to figure out what to do on her own. So she just went over to Kong and she went, kick me. And then Kong <laughs> just went, bah! and like double boot stomped her. And then that's when I heard Rudy. I just, so I came in and out. Once I was out, I came to at some point. And I remember like looking out into the crowd and it's already got the cage and then the ring rope. So everybody's already kind of a little bit distorted. Yeah. But I remember just like l kind of opening my eyes and looking up at people and everybody was vibrating. Everybody looked like they were foggy and everybody was vibrating. And then I just blacked out again. Wow. And then the next time I came to was when Kong kicked Taylor Chantel, whatever. And then Rudy, like he, he, if you see, he kind of nudges me too. Um, and all I heard was Peter. And I was like, huh? And then I just saw her laying there and I was like, okay. And I just went over and, you know, went to the, and if you see me when I win, I'm just like, ha, 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 ha. like, I have no idea what just happened. I didn't know I won. I didn't know what was going on. And I couldn't stand either. Like if you watch knowing this now, like Rudy grabs the belt and he hands it to me and I'm holding it and I'm like, ha, like, what's this? You know, like I don't even, and I couldn't stand. So like he had to pull me up and I'm leaning against him and he's got my arm raised and I'm like this. And then I think they kind of cut pretty quick because they knew. Yeah. Because I remember they, you know, they dim the lights in the arena and then they kind of show like the, the, the video leading up to like the mm -hmm. next match. Right. And Velvet had no idea. She was there ringside. You can't get closer than where Velvet was unless right. they were in the ring. She had no idea um, that I was out, but Rudy was telling her because I couldn't like step down in between the middle and bottom rope like I couldn't figure legs through get that so she so Rudy told her he's like she is out and she was like oh no so like she kind of helped they were both kind of helping push me out and then you know there's the stairs because there's the cage door you got to go out of oh yeah so they so they both walked me up the ramp and into the back when the arena was dark and then I pretty much just got like thrown into the arms of like four security guards and then I had to be brought past everybody because gorilla was right there so everybody's sitting there watching and I'm just like hey and then I go back to the trainer and he just had set up one chair all I want to do is lay down 
just want to lay down. And he had just a single folding chair just set up right there. And he was like, sit on it. And I was like, but I want to sleep. And he was like, no, sit up. So he was like checking me and all this kind of stuff. And then they took me from there and they brought me back into like the trainer's room. I guess he had just made an immediate position ready for me backstage, but then they brought me into the trainer's room. And um, I do remember asking him, can I swear? Yes. I was like, did I fuck up the finish of the match? Like, did I fuck it up? Did I fuck it up? I'm like, oh, my God, I won. Did I fuck up the match? I don't know what happened. And uh, I remember, and he answered me, but it, it kind of ties to something later. And I remember, like, I had a flip phone at the time because it was, like, only 2009. So, you know, you got to press, like, one, three times if you want to get the C, or you got to yeah. press, like, two or three times if you want to get that. So I was trying to text my parents to let them know I got hurt. But, like, brain to thumbs, I couldn't, like, spell. I didn't know how to hit. So I just gave my phone to to, towel, to Velvet, and I said, can you please text my mom? <laughs> like, here's her number. Can you please text her and tell her what happened? Um, and so, of course, they freaked out. And they were staying overnight in Philly, too. So, like, they made sure that I was awake every half hour. But that's when we were doing, like, you know, Sunday night pay-per-views once a month. And then we were filming Monday, Tuesday, every two weeks, which was, like, the best schedule ever. Oh, I can imagine. So we had, to fly, we had to fly and do two days of TV after that. And I am, like brain swollen like major headache like so bad and I was like can I even fly to Orlando tomorrow like is that even safe (laughs) major concussion um but it was it was fine but I remember like Vince wanted to just make it like this huge big deal like the beautiful people would with me winning my first championship and we have the title and they wanted like I think we still did the backstage segment, but I think Madison and Tal did most of it because they wanted us screaming and blowing the horns and noisemakers. And I was just like, I can't oh, even, yeah. I'm like, I can't even stand the sound of my own voice right now. Like my ears and my head and just everything hurts so much. I can't scream and yell, but we still did the whole segment. I think those girls did the most of like the loud noise making parts, but then that's when like, you know, I had to go down and we had the male stripper, you know, yeah. kind of do all the things. And then Kong came down. So that was all the next night after my concussion. Oh. But I remember a week later I was home in Tampa and I was just like driving around and the trainer called me to check on me. We had the best trainers when we were in TNA. And uh, so what had happened was, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, but this is just what I remember. There's like a pad in between like where your jaw hinges to your skull. Okay. There's like a pad in between that. Um, And if you squish that pad, that like cuts off something to your brain and you're and you, you black out, you're out unconscious. So he, he, what he thinks, cause I was telling him like, God, it hurts to chew. Like my jaw hurts so much. And he was like, what he thinks happened. And it makes sense to me because the last thing I remember seeing is Taylor's belly button and her hips. That's the last thing I remember seeing. And what he thinks happened was when when she hit me and we landed, it jammed my jaw mm. up. Like her hip bone hit me somewhere okay. and kind of jammed my jaw up into my skull and like completely squished that pad. And that's what made me black out. And her also just, just completely squishing my head on that bump. Um, wow. And uh, um. So he said that that was probably how I blacked out. And then he said, do you know that you asked me 27 times if you fucked up the finish of the match? And I was like, what? 27 times? I said, I remember maybe like three because I know I asked you. And he's like, no. He goes, your brain, like because of your injury, your brain wasn't comprehending that I was giving you an answer. Mm Mm-hmm. So you just kept asking and asking and asking. He's like, I answered you. I answered you. I answered you. I answered you. But your like brain wasn't computing answer, (laughs) you know? So it was like, it was pretty crazy. It it was, it was, it was pretty frightening. And you know, that was only a couple of years after the Benoit tragedy, Mm -hmm. you know, and he, you know, with the spots on the brain and concussions and stuff. So like that really scared me. And I was just in my prime like that. We were killing it. And, you know, in TNA, it was my first major championship. I was probably 20, seven because I would have turned 28 that September so like you know I, and I'm I, I'm like I'm like can be 27 and be having this kind of concern you right. know about my future but you know I'm 39 so <laughs> clearly things have been okay but yeah, at the time you know, I was very concerned have you had another concussion since then no I mean I've bumped oh, my head but I, I feel like that happens a lot like you yeah. just hit 
too hard or, you know, something you just, you're just out in your back for a second. So no, that was like the only one, but you know, last year ring of honor had Chris Nowinski come in and he did like an hour and a half, like, you know, brain injury, concussion, how to stay safe kind of seminar with us. And gosh, it could have gone on for three hours, but like we had to, you know, it was like uh, 30 minutes before they were opening doors and like everybody had to get back. Nobody had a chance to get in the ring before that show, all that kind of stuff. You know, we'd do pre-tapes. Like it was pretty crazy that day, but we were all very thankful. And he said, even though I say I got a major concussion, he said, because I think somebody asked, are there levels of concussions? And he was like, no, like a concussion is a concussion. You black out, that's brain injury. It doesn't matter how long you're blacked out for or whatever. There's no, like, minor concussion and major concussion. It's a concussion. Right. So, um, you know, and he and you can't come back from that. You can't. You know what I mean? Like, when you yeah. start to do damage to your brain, there's not a – it doesn't just revamp itself. If yeah, that makes any sense. You know? away. Because that was everybody's question, like, how do you reverse brain damage? <laughs> how do you, how do you like, how do you like take away all the stupid bumps you did when you were young? And it's like you can't. Oh, that's scary. But like you said, I mean, that was like you said a couple years after the Benoit situation. So I mean, you have, especially going on since then, and the way that other sports have adapted their concussion protocol since then. I mean, everybody's worried about this now, which is great thing because. Too many people have had horrible instances and ended in tragedy, much like that one that we were talking yeah. about. So. And well, what's really great advice, too, that he gave us that I would love to be able to pass on in this podcast. Maybe Definitely. somebody in business will hear it and think about it. His advice was, if you are in a match and if you even think somebody is knocked out, stop the match immediately. Pin the person, have somebody pin you, whatever kind of match you're in, even if you aren't sure. It's better than trying to pick up and bump around somebody who is completely out because then they can, because they're like unconscious on their feet, they could hurt you. They could break their leg because their brain doesn't know what they could, they could further the injury. Do you know what I mean? So it's like that, that's something that always really stuck with a lot of us. Like, even if you think somebody's out, if they're not answering you, if they're, if they, if you see they're just got end the match, just, just end the match, end the match. However, you have to end the match, do it as quickly as you possibly can. So that person can get to the back and get medical attention. Wow. That is great advice. I mean, that's for any so many people because it's wrestler mentality. You just keep going. Yeah. You're broken. So you, you just keep going. You tore your ACL. You just keep going. But when somebody is like completely out of it, you can't, you yeah. can't, you have to find a way to stop it immediately. Oh. You got to cut that wrestler mentality and just keep going. And that's got, it's got to stop right there. Well, you're right, because, I mean, I've I've talked to many people on the podcast where they're like, oh, I was injured, and I just went, I kept going, I did this, and I just kept going. We all have. We yeah, all have. it's part of, like, being a wrestler, I guess, as horrible as that is, because you shouldn't yeah. compete if you're still injured. I mean, that just... But if you, if you see someone else hurt, especially knocked out, mm-hmm. they can't stop the match. They're knocked out. You have to take that responsibility upon yourself. And if somebody wants to get mad, it's one of those apologize later things, but I don't think anybody would get mad at you for ending a match early or not doing things that were supposed to happen. If you did it, you know, to protect your fellow, you know, your fellow performer or for their, their health and safety, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, if, if that were to ever happen in a match that I was in, I would want that person to do whatever it took to get that over with so that we could go back and make sure whoever got injured, myself or the other person, was okay. I mean, that just human decency. Yeah. Oh, man. It's hard and even, to, like, even, when I, even when I got my concussion, you know, we ended it pretty quickly after that because yeah. they, they knew. They were just like, end the match, end the match, end the match. Just have Taylor Pinner. Have Taylor Pinner. We'll put the belt on our TV. Just end it, end it, end it. Out oh, live on pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like, you got to add, and that's live on pay-per-view. If you're in an indie show, I mean, you have all the time in the world to see that somebody's <laughs> knocked out and you can end, you can end the match. And I don't think there's going to be like, you know, serious repercussions. So that's just the most important thing. Yeah. Again, it comes down to human decency too, I think, at yeah. that point, because you don't want them to further injure themselves or you or anybody else that is involved in the match. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, it's hard to transition from that subject into something else you know because it's so serious <laughs> you can talk about yeah you can talk about it forever yeah definitely yeah but let's talk more because like I realized when I was going through I looked at all of your championship wins and championship losses and it seems like if you look at just just on paper your greatest opponent would probably be Madison Rain 
just because of the amount of times that you guys had been in the ring together, had title switches. I mean, you had the title versus career match at one point in time. And it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were married for a long time yeah. on TV and on TV and on the road. But you know what? That's fun because when you know you can make magic with somebody and you know, like, oh, my God, we could wrestle each other in our sleep. Like, that's how it was for me and, you know, Taylor Wilde. That's because we trained together, too. You mm-hmm. know, Madison and I, you know, she came into the beautiful people, and we helped her out. And then, you know, she broke off into her own. And when we were working each other, we just know each other. You just know each other's styles. You know each other as a person. Um, you know each other's personalities, how you work. And it, that's what makes work fun when you're in the ring with somebody where it's just easy. And it's like, this is such an easy job. Like, we get to put on little outfits and a lot of makeup and act like assholes and then go into the ring and then we get to make money and just do what we love to do for five minutes and then we get to make money and then we get to travel and all that kind of stuff. It's like, kind of can't get better than that. (laughs) Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, you've wrestled basically every name in the book, too, that was at TNA and, and not even in TNA, some others. But you know what surprised me when I was doing my research is the beautiful people as far as you and Velvet together, we're never tagged. No, you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, how does that happen? Like, when I think knockout tag teams, I think of Velvet Sky and I think of yeah. Angel Love. And you guys were never the tag team champions. I know. It's insane. And and everybody says that. And Velvet and I still think that, too. We're like, how did that never happen? But that's when TNA was in the mentality of all the baby faces have to go over. And we were the heels. Yeah. So they were like, we can't have the heels be the first champions. It has to be the baby faces. And I think it was Taylor Wilde and Serena. I think they were the first knockout tag team. Yeah, they champions. were. I think we wrestled them and then they won. So it was like, got to put the baby faces over, got to put the baby faces over. And then I think I had my visa issue very soon after that. So mm-hmm. then I was gone. So like I had the knockout tag team titles with winter and I yeah. think Tal had them with Madison. So it's yeah. like, go figure. Like it still kind of happened for both of us, but separately, but that'll never make sense to us or anybody. I don't think. Yeah. Cause it's just <laughs> wild. Like when I, I yeah. like, wait, she's not a knockout tag team champion. With I know it's Velvet. so weird. We were and we were the only actual tag team. So go yeah. figure. <laughs> yeah, that is, I mean, they have, I know you're, you're obviously with Ring of Honor, but I mean, they're having the knockouts tag team tournament now. And like, I see like some of the tag teams, they do have established tag teams, but some of them are just thrown together too. And I'm thrown like, together. Yeah. what are you, what are you thinking? This is not great tag team sometimes, wrestling. Sometimes that, yeah. Sometimes that's just what you have to do when you don't have a ton of girls that you could just yeah. team up and have enough substantial matches out of either. So, and you know, t- Velvet and I get, we're still to this day getting a ton of tweets, especially now that Impact has the knockouts tag titles back. Everybody is like, uh, you guys got to go back and win them. You guys got to go back and win them. Like, or they'll be tweeting Impact, like, you got to bring back Velvet and Angelina. And it's like, Velvet's retired and Angelina's in Ring of Honor. So I don't really know how you think that would happen. But <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's kind of past, it's kind of past its, it's kind of past its point now. So, well, I think maybe in the future, if something, I know Velvet is retired, but it would be great for you guys to make like an appearance at some kind of tag team championship match there just for the nostalgia part of it. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, sure. I mean, you are with Ring of Honor and you're doing your own thing there. Of course, Velvet was there originally with you, with you and Mandy Leon as the allure. And now it's just you and Mandy. Of course, you have tapings coming up. I mean, mm-hmm. are you ready to get back in the ring now? Yeah, I don't think I'll ever not be ready because like I said, I've been doing this uh, more than half my life. So I don't I don't not know this, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and it's like, it's almost like muscle memory. Like you don't have to keep working out the same muscle every day for the muscle to remember like what it's supposed to do or to, or to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's like, like, yes, you always have to, like, you cannot be a wrestler if you're not, if you aren't, don't have an athlete in you somewhere. You know right. what I mean? Like you have to have athletic bones in your body. Like I feel like almost anybody who's just been like Joe guy off the street who like tried I can wrestle. It's fake. Anybody can do it. And then, you know, they get in the ring and try to take a bump and then they're like, Oh my God. Like, you know, you, you have to be an athlete. So no matter how long, like you stay in wrestling throughout your life, like, like look at Bobby Roode. Like I think, and I'm just picking him up because he's just the first one that came to my head because he still looks amazing, but he's like, gotta be mid forties, I think. Right. So it's like, you still have to put the work into your craft and into your body. Um, and just always be ready and stay in shape. And you should want to anyway. You should want to look good. You should want to not go do two minutes in a ring and be blown sky high. Right. Um, 
but I mean, I, I knew that this was really something that I could always do no matter what, once I came back from having David, cause I had my first match like three months after I gave birth. <laughs> Ooh, that's quick. Oh, and I can't, I didn't want to come back that quick, but I, I feel like at the time I felt like I had to, um, just for other circumstances, but I went like 20 minutes with Veda Scott and I was blown sky high, but I wasn't like dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I had been out. So at least for, I stopped wrestling in July, 2015, I feel like, so at least a year, if not maybe like 13 months or so, I had been out, grown a human, birthed a human, and come back to bumping. Yeah. So, you know, if I can have a few months off, you know, during this, you know, during 2020 madness, I'll, I'll be, I'm always ready. I'm like always yeah. ready. <laughs> I'm always ready. But, you know, I do have to get just a little more wind under me, which I can just do here. Yeah. Well, I know for me, like I haven't wrestled in a little over two years since I had my son, because obviously once like I felt like I was ready to maybe go back and start training and knock some of that ring rust off, all of these COVID. The world world shut down. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like yesterday I went for a little jog with my dog and of course I live in Quebec, so it's not very warm. And like, I was like, oh my God, but I mean, that's two years of not doing like hardly any conditioning at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, while I was pregnant, I was doing conditioning, but I was doing more like things yeah. to make my body strong for labor than I mm-hmm. was conditioning myself for wrestling. So it's totally sure. and there's different things. Nothing, nothing in life compares to wrestling. Yeah, you know, like I like I always use the the analogy of like running on a treadmill is not the same as running the ropes in a wrestling ring for three minutes, like three minutes because we used to have to do that in deep south at the end of training for like three hours build them up would be like all right three minutes running the ropes that is the most god-awful longest three minutes of your life a hundred percent and a lot of people can't we couldn't even do three minutes and we were doing three hour daily wrestling mm-hmm. and conditioning and some of us still couldn't bang out three minutes it's insane yeah because i mean well not only are you taking into account of going back and forth on on the ropes as far as running but you're also hitting the ropes which I don't know if people understand how hard actual ropes are so yeah your body gets kind of callous to them when you're hitting the ropes over and over but it's still kind of taking the wind away from you a little bit as you're doing that over and over Mm -hmm. and over again it's it's crazy and And especially especially for females too you don't have a lot of weight to throw into the ropes to get a lot of like pushback like honestly I was to be perfect to be perfectly honest I didn't find my perfect stride for like running the ropes I don't even know if I found it in deep south I feel like I might have found it in TNA because I think I was doing like the four steps I would do like the little stutter step Mm -hmm. and then the one two three and that still never really worked for me but I actually kind of took a little page off of how I think how Mickey hit the ropes because for me, cause I just don't have a lot of weight on me to throw into them. Right. Plus the DNA ropes, we had six sides. So the rings, the ropes were shorter. So there wasn't as much give on those ropes as there would be on a ring where there's four sided because they're longer. Right. So yeah. you have a little more give in the middle, but ours were also, so not only were they short in the six sided ring, they were also pulled tight because everybody and their dog was springboarding. Right. right, so AJ Styles and Amazing Red and Loki and Christopher Daniels and everybody is like springboard, plancha, you know, all the things. So we're hitting them and we're just like, oh, like I don't know if you ever know. So if you go back and watch our entrance and just don't look at our asses, when Velvet would sit on the rope to open it for me, we don't actually move the ropes. Like we couldn't. <laughs> there, there was no right because they're just pulled so tight. We would sit on it and like our butt would literally just kind of hang over the top of it. Because even our weight, you know, 120 pounds, pushing it does, doesn't move it. And yeah. then we would be like, hey! and I kind of would always just kind of get my shoulder under it a little bit just to do something. But we never actually even, like, moved the ropes open <laughs> for each other because we couldn't. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to have to go back and watch that because, like, I've done. We might move it this yeah. much on both sides, maybe this much. Like, hey! Yeah. Yeah. I remember I used to like I I didn't do it often but I would sit on the middle rope and kind of like push the the top rope open especially if I was managing somebody I would do that for them so that they could get through and I remember like even that's like not the easiest task but you can do it 
But now that you say that, I'm like, man, I bet that is true. I'm going to have to go back and check that out for sure. Because it's like it's, it was a two-part banger. It's like not only were the ropes shorter because we had two more sides to the ring, but they were they were pulled tight for, you know, 220-pound men to be, you know, springboarding off of all, all over the place. So really yeah. for us, being 100 pounds lighter, it was like, oh, I can't wait to run and hit this brick wall. Oh, I get to run across and hit this brick wall. But I feel like – I feel like – and just being in a six-sided ring from being used to being in a four-sided ring, it is like a whole other world. Like, you have to adapt. But we all did get used to it. But I think because I could never just run to the ropes and kind of just lean into them and get anything off of it, what I would do, and this is actually when, like a couple years ago, uh, in well, gosh, it's probably five years ago, when Jay was first starting, Jay Lethal was first starting his training school, I remember he, like, hit me up because he had a couple girls in his class. And we – take some bumps and do some things differently in the ring than guys do because we have to protect here, whereas guys have to protect here. When they take certain bumps, you know, the guys have to kind of triangle their leg to make the pocket so things don't get hit. Just like right. us, we have to protect certain ways. Protect, so yeah. he kind of had me he kind of had me come in and help with his girls. And, you know, they were smaller than I was. So hitting the ropes, I was like, here's what I learned. And I feel like I'm not even sure if this is true, but I feel like Mickey hits the ropes the same way, and I wonder if I saw her do that. But she kind of jumps into them. So right, so in, so some people run to the ropes and they kind of just do that pivot right as they hit the ropes. Mm-hmm. I kind of once I would start to do my pivot, I would jump and I would kind of throw my weight into the ropes, and then I would get like a major push off from that where I didn't need that first little stutter step because I could bounce. By jumping and throwing my weight into the ropes, I could bounce so much further off. My first step was at least a third way across the ring. Wow. So then it was so, so it was just like, come off the ropes to the first step, two, three, hit the ropes, first step, two, three, hit the ropes. My son's coming. Oh. Hi, sweetheart. Do you want to come say hi? He's like, he's Aww. the best. He's the best just woken up kid. Hi. Hey. Does he want to come say hi? Hi there. Hi. Hi. <laughs> He's like me. He needs like 10 minutes to wake up. You want to take a yeah. yeah. Take a little bit. Did you sleep good? Yeah. Good. He gets, his, he gets the best bed head. And like for me, I'm not a person that's like, it's 7 a.m. Let's start the day. Like I'm just like, I'm like oh, I'm, well, I feel you. I'm you know, like, person. but obviously being moms, like, we have to wake up and get going. But I've never been that kind of person naturally. So naturally, he's kind of like that, too, where he's always Mom. just, like, Mom. the craziest bedhead. And Mom. he's always just like, oh, you need time to wake up. <laughs> My cat's behind me. He's in love with our cat, Aww. Trooper. So. <laughs> well, I don't want to keep too much of your time since I know your son's now awake. So yeah. why don't we tell everybody where they can find you on social media and if you have any kind of things coming up that you want to promote? Yeah, so um, my Facebook's private, so sorry. Uh, but you're on it. Yeah. Um, and then my Twitter's at ActualALove. Um, I figured that actual was kind of creative because everybody was a the or yeah. official. So I was like, actual A-Love. That's really clever. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm A-Love, the number four, life, two, two, two. And then, um, yeah, Ring of Honor, uh, download the Honor Club app. Um, that's an app you can get on your phone, which is awesome, by the way, because it can literally, like, we were actually, we would stream our shows live on the app. So anybody who was part of the Honor Club, when we were doing house shows, they could watch them live from anywhere on the app. Um, all the pay-per-views, all the TVs, all their history, everything is on there. So it's it's really cool. Um, we are filming coming up in January, but we don't, we can't really say online when things will air until they air. Cause we, I just, with how everything is right now, we just got to film a bunch of stuff, just like everybody yeah. film a bunch of stuff at one time. And then as they kind of program them into how the shows are going to go, then we advertise those. So I would say, you know, um, ROETrustling.com and then check out the Honor Club app too. This is a sister, the Doctor of Style, and you're listening to VOC Nation. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at nine. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Brady Hicks, former WCW star, Stro Maestro, Cassie Fitz, Matt Grimm, and you know later there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. 
Plus. I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the... Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling with History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cotney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. On Wrestling With Problems, we deal with two things, wrestling and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major feds as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter Chris Press discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stiles of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get, get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.